0: Sleeper Nation, we're back in the deep end, diving into some divisional action. We kind of pranked everybody last week by going straight into the NFC, but we're finishing the AFC this time around. Of course, I am Natter, along with Sheehan, the number one Australian analyst. Man, how you doing?
1: I'm doing good, man. Hey, let me start you off with a question without notice, without the segment questions without notice. Okay. Who do you think are the worst fans in the NFL for getting too excited about their teams before they've achieved anything?
0: Oh God, uh, Brown! No, Br- Browns-, Browns fans have like, learned to be disappointed before the season. That way they can't be disappointed.
1: I tend to think it's the Cowboys, just with all their absolute nonsense of how about them Cowboys and all of that that they wheel out as soon as they beat up on some terrible team. Well, I'm going somewhere with this. So over here at the moment, I'm in London for those of you who don't know, it's currently the Euros, the European Soccer Championships, And I've got to say, worse than any NFL championship, worse than any NFL teams, all of them combined in terms of getting ahead of themselves, are English fans. Hello to our English listeners. You're all terrible. It's not coming home. Sucked in. I'm sick of hearing about it. Go back to not caring about soccer. And yes, I call it soccer for the next three-ish years. It's not coming home.
0: Sick of you. To be fair, they beat Germany. They beat Germany 2-0. It was convincing. That's a, that's a statement game.
1: I disagree. And I say I disagree coming from a place where I, I played the game growing up. I also coached it for a little while. Uh, but mostly I disagree because I didn't watch a second of the game, and I can't imagine they were that impressive. You know why? Because it's England. And even if they were impressive, their fans are still annoying. So
0: I, I actually really like soccer. So I, I, I have been following the Euros. I was kind of rooting for Portugal a little bit, and uh, I saw them be very disappointing over the weekend, and they got knocked out. Uh, I don't, and then my second team that I wanted to root for was actually Germany, and then they got knocked out too. So uh, it, you know, if you specifically want me to knock out a team for you, just tell me to root for them, and I, I got your back.
1: Well, maybe you can start uh, rooting for England, because uh, sick of hearing about that. I thought Germany uh, were, were going to go all the way, particularly after France got knocked out. I had Holland or, or the Netherlands in our work sweep, and obviously they lost to the Czech Republic. So who the hell knows? But hopefully we see a fairy tale story like we did with Greece all those years ago.
0: See, the problem is is now England doesn't have that high of competition anymore. The, the, Belgium is, I think, the best team right now in the world. Other than that, they're, they're, there's nobody in their way.
1: Well, my Italian mate will uh, gladly tell anyone that'll listen that Italy are the team to beat. So... I'm sure he's, he's, uh, he's right about that. He's a far better uh, football analyst than I am. And at least they're a team that I've heard of that I know are good, as, as good as Belgium
0: are. Enough soccer. I don't know how your soccer fantasy team is doing, but my team, I don't even have one. So I think that relates to how important it is. So I just want, you know, this has been bothering me. Some people have asked nobody's asked but i'm imagining some people have asked i'm just gonna put it out there this is an anti-cancer podcast i th- i think we need to say that i think i think it needs to be said just in case people are wondering we're not for cancer we're anti-cancer out here help me out here where are you
1: going with this i mean i would have thought we we're fairly clearly anti-cancer i mean we we haven't come out and said it in the past but I'd, I'd like to think we're anti a lot of things that we haven't come out and denounced
0: yeah well the problem the problem is if you don't then you might be for it right I suppose I, I feel like this
1: is going to get cut out of, cut out of the final edits.
0: <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, the people need to know. And this is something people need to know.
1: I was like, is he, is he going to roll into like a Jim Kelly thing? Or is it like a nah. cancer thing? No, it's just like we're anti-cancer.
0: Yeah, that's basically it right there. Uh-huh.
1: Mm-hmm. Cool. Maybe we can expand Nada's wise words of wisdom each week into Nada denounces something we're all against.
0: Yeah. No, no, trust me. Wise words of this week is, is, is going to be different. I got something for you. I got I got a hypothetical for you. I think I ruined it, but I got a hypothetical for you. I look forward to it. All right, so hey, this is your segment right here. Give it to me. Well, I thought
1: we should probably start by introducing the show. So I think we'll uh, (laughs) we'll kick kick us off with some AFC projections. We'll roll into an AFC deep dive at the end, and in between that, we'll get to hear this much vaunted wise words of wisdom. But before we get into any of that, we will start looking at the AFC. We're now at the end of our AFC episodes with a a little cheeky bit of NFC thrown in there. And I think it's time for us to look into our crystal ball, not our crystal balls. We're not stealing that from another podcast, but into our our solitary crystal ball. And I want you to tell us, or or in fact, tell me and the listeners who you think the four division winners are going to be out of the AFC.
0: Okay. uh, Tie-ins, I think that's pretty convincing in their division that they're going to take it. The AFC East could be a little bit of a cluster. I think the Bills take it. Yep. AFC North, that one could be difficult. I think the Steelers take a hefty step backwards. I think the Browns take a step forward. Ooh, this one's close. You know what? Give me the Browns. Give me the Browns. Spicy.
1: And uh, out of the West? It's
0: hard not to take
1: the Chiefs. Oh, absolutely. And who have you got for the wildcard teams? Remember, there's three these days.
0: Okay, so the Ravens, they're going to have one. Give the Chargers another one. And then I believe, hey, this is, I don't think it's too much of a hot take, but give the Patriots the last one.
1: I think we have the exact same seven playoff teams between us, which is, uh, is good to see. Although I had the Browns winning the North. I do think the Steelers and the Colts uh, miss out. There's a big range of outcomes there, and I just don't see it happening. And uh, who have you got for the AFC Championship?
0: Ooh, uh, I think right now it's going to be the Titans. This might be just because of an off-season hot take, but Titans and Chiefs, they look a little too juicy. If that's even possible.
1: Yep. I tossed up between uh, the Titans and this other team. I've gone for the Browns coming from the wildcard playoff. But I don't think they're going over the top. I think the Chiefs are going to rep the AFC in the Super Bowl yet again.
0: But are they going to win the Super Bowl?
1: I don't see a team coming out of the NFC and beating them. But you never know. I think a lot of people didn't have um, Tampa Bay as a better team. And, you know, this, that's the phrase, any given Sunday. So we'll see who comes out of the NFC. I'm sure we'll talk about that in about three weeks' time. And uh, we can work out if the Chiefs are going to win or lose.
0: Oof. I know. It's going to be a long season. Of course, we've got all the time in the world to talk about it.
1: We have indeed. And as we roll into the next segment, as a teaser for Natta's wise words of wisdom, let me start you off, listeners, with some wisdom of my own. Oh. Knowledge is knowing that Frankenstein is not the monster, but wisdom is knowing that he is. And with that in mind, over to you, Nata.
0: Huh. Not bad. All right. So I got a hypothetical for you. Mm. All right. So this is a random one, but would you rather... Fight a chicken, fight a chicken every single time you entered your car. Or, once a year, would you fight an orangutan, but you get a sword? I'm
1: going to take the chicken every time I go to my car. I live in London. I don't own a car.
0: No, no, no. Come on. Come on. Assuming, assuming you drive to work every day. So, I mean, that's it's almost every other day.
1: Shoot, you know what? I'll take the orangutan with the sword. I think they're going to they're gonna get me on reach. Or, hang on, I would have the sword. But yeah, I think he's, they're going to have me on reach, but potentially it might be um, growing up in, in Perth, the orangutan at the zoo there was uh, a big old man, orangutan who lived in a box. And I think I could probably take him sort or not, you know, he's, he's a bit gangly, but um, he didn't have a lot going for him other than being sort of a a pretty cool chilled out sort of cat or indeed
0: monkey. So I did the research and an orangutan is about seven times stronger than the average human. Does that change your answer?
1: Um, well, I honestly think I would be screwed either way, so I might as well go down fighting the orangutan with a weapon than sort of uh, trying, to, trying to kick a chicken getting pecked on my ankles every day.
0: <laughs> That's fair That's fair enough. I think I'd have to do the same. I think I'd have to pick that orangutan, mostly because, I mean, not while I don't doubt that I could beat a chicken every single day and then get basically free dinner on the house but i think i just get tired of it pretty pretty fast
1: i think so but as we come out of this hypothetical i just want to go on the record and say that uh that we're against animal cruelty here at sleep (laughs) a animal cruelty and cancer this week are our causes that everyone supports that we're also part of
0: there we go so i mean fighting orangutan you you only have to do it once and it's either it's not your problem anymore because you died or well, I mean, you have the strength in order to be an orangutan.
1: Do I have... I, I suppose I'd have the year to prepare so I could... Yeah, you do. You know, get better at a sword. I suppose we could get Joe Pizapia back on to, to teach me how to use a sword from all those weeks ago. He was a, oh, yeah. a real swordsmith. Yeah, I, th- I think I'd say... T- is it just a one-off fight against an orangutan or is it every year?
0: Yeah, every year. Every year you fight one orangutan.
1: Would I get to choose when it is, or is it is it once a year the orangutan is going to just knock on my door and surprise me, and that's going to be it? Because one of my favorite uh, running bits in comic book lore is that every year on his birthday, Sabretooth beats up Wolverine. I find that tremendously funny. You know, is this, is this what I'm expecting with, uh, with the orangutan?
0: No, it's every 365 days. Cool.
1: Yep. Give me the orangutan and a sword.
0: There we go. All right. That's fair enough. That's fair enough. And then, and then we, we choose that in the hypothetical and the sword is little plastic butter knife. <laughs> he got me. <laughs> All righty. Take it home, Shane.
2: In a world where the lines between reality and fantasy are blurred, each pass catch or yard can be the difference between agony and ecstasy people will travel across the land and sea by air road and rail in search of fulfillment self-worth and respect as well as an exclusive t-shirt and chances to win awesome nfl memorabilia and their quest will lead them to canton ohio the cradle of football on august 14th to eat drink and strive for greatness amongst the fantasy world's elite from the people who brought you sleep wire eat sleep fantasy draft party usa and prestige sports memorabilia comes the cat event of the fall draft night out Visit DraftNightOut.com to book your ticket today. Only in theaters. Not bad. As I say, shorter than last week. I didn't
1: have have as much time to uh, to write Harry Potter fan fiction, so here we are.
0: The AFC East ran by the New York Jets. Hopefully, they can pull out more than two wins off of their two and fourteen record in the 2020 season. At last in points scored. And yards gained. That is an abysmal stat that you don't want to be a part of. 31st in passing yards. 23rd in rushing yards. You know it's bad when Frank Gore is leading all rushers with 650 yards. I mean, two players or four players scored two rushing touchdowns. And Jameson Crowder, of all people, led, led the team <laughs> with 699 yards and six touchdowns. I mean, Sam Darnold threw for 2,000 yards. Nine touchdowns and 11 interceptions. That is definitely a 9-11 stat line for you. I mean, I mean, Robert Sala, of course, new head coach. Matt LaFleur, new offensive coordinator. I'm a huge believer in these two, by the way. I'm just going to put that out there. I think this offense is going to make a huge turnaround. I don't think it's very difficult for them to make a huge turnaround, but they're definitely going to make a huge turnaround. And of course, we're going to talk about Sam Darnold not even being on the team. Frank Gore is not even on the team. Rashad Param is not on the team. Joe Flacco, or Joe Flaccid, <laughs> as uh, I see it in my show notes right here. He is gone. I mean, uh, that whole team on the offensive side definitely got a whole makeover in itself. Corey Davis on the squad. Keenan Cole on the squad. Offensive line help. Tevin Coleman taken from the Niners. Y- give me some initial thoughts.
1: Well, I'll start off by apologizing for my terrible show notes, where I said it was Matt LaFleur, not Mike LaFleur, who was coming across as their OC from... Uh... From San Fran, so before we get all the letters and emails uh, blaming you for ignorance, that was my bad. I think it's going to be an uphill battle for the Jets. You're going to know more about Robert Salo than I am. I think this offense is going to be better just by the, the virtue of it not being Adam Gase. I mean, how he even got the Jets job, I'll never know. They saw the guy up close with the Dolphins, and they're still like, yep, this coked-out weirdo is our guy. I think bringing in Tevin Coleman, they brought in another... Um, depth running back from San Francisco. I think these guys are in town to try and embed that offense and and teach the running game to guys who are there. But I don't see Zach Wilson succeeding, at least as a rookie here. Uh, he's got he's not got anyone around him. And Davis is fine, but he's yet to prove that he can do it without an alpha opposite him. Denzel Mims is flash, but you know he's still on on the way up running backs are just a bunch of ham and eggers. They got LaMichael P. Ryan, Tevin Coleman, uh, Ty Johnson, who I quite like and think there's some upside there, and Michael Carter, who I'm sure we'll get to. But for a team that probably needs to run the ball and defend, those pieces just aren't there. Uh, the only upside I think is that they have built quite a nice offensive line, big ticket Makai Beckton. They traded up for Elijah Vera Tucker, uh and they've added Morgan Moses in the last couple of days. So that's you know a nice, strong offensive line. Hopefully, we'll, um, we'll keep Wilson upright and allow him to, to make those plays. I, I don't see it happening for them this season, and, and potentially they'll need to add even more weapons to, to get the best out of this guy that, that they took at pick two.
0: Well, when you have a LaFleur who's been under Shanahan and Sean McVeigh, been under all of the offensive gurus that were in the NFC West, uh, you're, you're in a position to succeed because... The offense is going to be, of course, having the infrastructure that these elite play callers have. And if that's the case, then you have to be interested in this offense, especially when you have a a playmaker quarterback in Zach Wilson. Well, of course, we're going to find out how good he is. I am extremely interested in these run after catch receivers. I mean, right now, for example, I mean, their draft pick. Elijah Moore, he's a beast. So Elijah Moore, I'm definitely interested in Elijah Moore. I I think he's going to be a phenomenal run after catch receiver. I think this offense is going to be putting him in huge amounts of space and he's just going to have the opportunity to make all the plays that he needs to.
1: Yeah, I think um, Moore and Carter are both going to get that chance in the, the screen screen game, jet sweeps, um, little dump off passes, swing passes, that sort of stuff. more when he was at um, Ole Miss, they certainly got the ball in his hands as much, as much as they could. He is a dynamic playmaker. I think he's possibly the best playmaker in this draft. That is including guys like Pitts, Chase, some of those top few receivers off the board. I think Elijah Moore has absolute elite upside. And as I said on our podcast with your mate, Jake Celia, I think his ceiling might be Antonio Brown if he has that sort of work ethic because He's certainly, I think, more talented than Brown, if he has the work ethic. The sky's the limit for this guy. As you say, LaFleur will be getting the ball in his hands. He's been in those schemes, like you said, with those kind of offensive wunderkinds. You know, Moore's that sort of guy. We might even see him as a running back, lining up in the backfield. He certainly did that a bit in college too.
0: Now, also, since we're on the page of running backs, LaMichael Pirine, I think he's going to be a guy that is going to be wanted in those dreaded 0-RB teams. Yeah. And if you take a, you know, you go for Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill in the one-two, and then maybe take a Lamar Jackson on three, or you can go for a George Kittle or Waller, or wh- wherever tight end your quarterback you're able to squeeze in the third round. And then in the fourth, fifth, sixth rounds... You know, if you, if you don't get the quite the guys you want, I think Michael Pirine could be one of those perfect zero RB guys to really chase, considering right now he doesn't really have a floor and he doesn't really have a ceiling. And he, he could be anything from an RB3 bust or an RB2 to RB1 in that offense.
1: Yeah, I think he's got as, as good a chance as you know, Coleman or, or Ty Johnson, as I say. It was a big rap for Ty Johnson. The Jets played better football when he was playing well. Um, and he, he was their best runner in both of their wins last year. P Ryan doesn't have the draft capital, but it's it's really equal to Carter as well. They're going to be rolling out this platoon. There's a bit of a spanner in the works that I think we could see here. You know, we talked about McVeigh and Shanahan and all these guys. There's a zone runner out there coming off the street, provide a bit of veteran leadership. I suppose Coleman's there for that. And that's Todd Gurley. You know, we'll see what he's got left in the tank, but he's probably able to handle a heavier workload better than P Ryan, Johnson, or Carter. Uh, Carter's an excellent playmaker. Bit like Moore, I thought he was the best runner at the senior bowl, but he's not built to be a three down between the tackles guy. He's a, you know, he's a James White type. You can certainly use him as a runner, but he's going to be a weapon in the passing game.
0: Michael Carter. So, hey, would you rather have Michael Carter or Michael Piran?
1: Just because of the the difference in value, I would probably go. If I was truly zero RB, I'd probably say Carter. If I wanted a dart throw i would rather take p ryan potentially last pick in the draft or off waivers than carter in the ninth round i mean we can do some adp either or we have some fresh adp data and in fact if it was any fresher and it was a cow it'd still be mooing let me see so he's currently the rb 38
0: michael that's actually very high that's higher than i anticipated
1: certainly higher than i anticipated too But he's going around the same time as Logan Thomas, Robert Tunyon, Antonio Brown, in one QB leagues, Brian Tannehill. I don't see me wanting to lean that way with Carter. That just seems a bit rich for him.
0: That seems very rich. That seems very, very rich. I mean, Yes, this is the RB they've drafted. That's potentially their guy. One of LaMichael Pirine's things that I really liked about him is his ability to pass block. Frank Gore even came out and said, hey, this guy's a solid pass blocker. And if you're a pass blocker, you're going to find your way onto the field. And If you're on the field, you're going to find a way to score fantasy points. So, I mean, that's basically my huge reasoning for why I would pick LaMichael Pirine over everybody. But, I mean, I guess right right now, until preseason starts, and then we start seeing how those repetitions kind of play out, it's anybody's guess at this point.
1: I think if you're drafting zero RB at this point, take a good hard look at yourself. I mean, I've got no issue with going zero RB if that's your strategy. Um, You know, there's there's plenty of reason to do that. But I think this far out from the season, you're going to want to be hitting known quantities. As we get closer to the season, I think that's where you start to see the value guys who are performing in preseason. That's where you can have your late round dart throws, hope one of them hits. But at this point, Michael Carter, as I say, he's in the ninth. Would you rather Carter or Michael Gallup? Michael Gallup. Carter or Corey Davis, his teammate?
0: I am so wishy-washy on Corey Davis. Give me Michael Carter. Carter or
1: Logan Thomas.
0: Ugh, that doesn't fill me with confidence either. Uh, you know, give me Logan Thomas.
1: And I know the answer to this one, but Carter or Trey Sermon.
0: Oh yeah, give me Trey Sermon.
1: Yeah, so that's it feels to me like a pick that you almost want to trade out of.
0: It's hard to... T- uh, I don't know if you're able to trade out a pick like that. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if there's too much more value, or I shouldn't say value, too many more options that you can go with. I mean, especially because right now this is where the receivers, the the wide receiver two start popping off of the board. And uh, I mean, you already took somebody like Devontae Adams and Tyreek Hill for your wide receiver one and two. So it wouldn't make sense for you to take a wide receiver in the later picks of the draft in order to grab around the Michael Carter area. So I think you'll be forced to take somebody like a Michael Carter in that spot and you're not going to be happy about it, but it's just what the draft gave you.
1: Yeah, if you are doing 0RB, I mean, you're picking at this point. Damian Harris is going to pick early. I'm sure we'll cover him later. Sermon, as we said, AJ Dillon, Naheem Hines, the aforementioned Todd Gurley, Tony Pollard, Devin Singletary. I mean, you're really hoping for an injury here. Gus Edwards, maybe. He'd be more value and he's, you could probably get both. He's going 40 picks later. That's rough. It is. That's really rough.
0: The, the RB pool, the RB talent pool is very small right now, and it's either a, you have them or you don't.
1: I was thinking uh, earlier today that you know an upcoming episode, once we finish these deep dives, might be uh, looking at where those tier breaks, where those drop-offs are to see you know how comf- who's the last guy that you're comfortable taking in, in those positions as your RB1, your RB2, your wide receiver 2, these sorts of things. Because I feel like this year more than, than maybe any in the past five you really got to go running back early because there's just not value. There is a, a steep cliff and all of a sudden you get to it and you're hurtling down the hill like uh, Clark Griswold.
0: Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with you on that one. Well, one, that's a good idea. We should probably go over that when we're done with the deep dives. And two, yes, I agree. Well, Once you start hitting the second round, the RB's talent pool, I think over there, around that area, that's when there's a steep drop-off and then you have to decide, do I want a overdrafted RB or do I take a wide receiver one?
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly it. And I would, I, w- I want to lean wide receiver one. I was looking at ADP and stuff like that today for the, the Scott Fishbowl draft, which is coming up and I'm looking at it going, I'm ninth on the clock. Am I taking like a, a, a Darren Waller at the end of the first round or something like that? Cause that's where the value is. I don't like it, but you know, I think this is going to be a year where you sort of have to take your medicine. If you're a, if you're a wide receivers first type guy mm. and want to win.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we need to go through a zero RB strategy. I don't think it's necessarily the most efficient. And I think everybody kind of knows it's not that efficient, but it's definitely a little bit more fun.
1: You know, I'd put the call out to our listeners to say if you're a a zero RB truther, but it's fair to say that that we probably attract a higher quality caliber of listener that there won't be people who (laughs) who subscribe to zero RB listening to us.
0: You know, I'm not sure, you know, we welcome everybody out here on this show and I'm going to make fun of everybody equally (laughs) and tease them all equally, but I'm the exact opposite of a zero RB truther. I'm a RB hoarder. I will, I will go the first four rounds taking all all running backs.
1: I have a question for you that's not necessarily about clapping cheeks, so you might not be that interested. We'll see. Is Jamison Crowder a Jet in week one, and is he a Jet to finish the season?
0: I I really don't want him to be a Jet week one. I want to see him gone sooner the better. I want to see what we have in these young wide receivers. I want to see Denzel Mims. I want to see Elijah Moore. I want to see Keelan Cole. I want to see the younger guys get a crack at it. I'm done with Jamison Crowder.
1: I I agree. I don't think he's a progress stopper necessarily, but I feel like if he's on the roster, there is going to be some fantasy value there. At the moment, you can get him off waivers. He's, he's going undrafted, I think, because people believe in Moore, believe in Cole. And, you know, they're, they're guys who might come in and, and play in the slot. You know, is that perfect safety blanket. And Zach Wilson loved throwing to, uh, his name escapes me. It's hard to coach that out of someone as prodigious as his arm talent is. I expect that he'll be looking within the hash marks fairly early on. And Crowder's their most reliable option in there, uh, like
0: it or not. I think the issue with taking a Jameson Crowder or any, any Jets receiver for that fact is you don't really know who's going to be the wide receiver one. You don't know the wide receiver two. We don't know how the offense is going to look like. There's too much uncertainty. And the problem with that is then it's a dart throw. And if you're going to dart throw, why not dart throw in a receiving core that actually makes more sense? Like a Steelers receiving core, Cowboys receiving core, Niners receiving core, Rams receiving core. I mean, it's something like that. If, if I'm a dart throw, I'll dart throw in an offense that actually has potential. We're not sure on the Jets potential, so I'm not going to recommend anybody dart throw on the Jets offense.
1: I mean, someone's got to run the ball. Someone's got to catch it. You would think so. As far as I'm concerned. You would think so. And that, that's basically my belief in Crowder. I mean, I'm not going out to, to reach for him or anything like that. But if you're doing a preseason two-for-one trade, I think there are going to be worse names out there. I mean, look at the guys who are going undrafted receiver-wise. Do you want Crowder or like a Nikhil Harry or someone like that? Um, I would much rather have Crowder. While we are talking Jets receivers, you got any interest in Corey Davis?
0: I really don't want him. I think I want somebody else to make the mistake in drafting him.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. It doesn't excite me. I really, I liked Davis. Um, I thought it, he grew into his role and the best place would have been for him to stay in Tennessee, I thought, or, or to go somewhere and, and continue to be Robin to, to someone else's Batman. I hope he's developed to the point where he can now play against those number one corners and be a reliable weapon because Lord knows uh, Zach's Fifth Avenue needs him, but um, I've got no interest. As you say, let someone else uh, make the mistake.
0: He'll have a good game. Don't get me wrong. He's gonna have a good game, and people are gonna start him because I mean, he's gonna be on the bench while he has that good game. You're gonna put him in. He's gonna burn you. It's gonna be a rinse and repeat. It happened last year, and uh, it has been a reoccurring issue with Corey Davis. At some point, you gotta cut your losses and let somebody else make that mistake. Yeah, totally agree. All right. So, any last closing thoughts before we hop off of the Jets?
1: I'm intrigued by Denzel Mims as potentially a cheap buy-in dynasty. I don't really have any interest in redraft this year, but he's a guy to, to watch and, and wait on, see how he forms that connection potentially with Wilson in the preseason or in those early weeks, someone you might want to target on waivers. Uh, but I think he could be a, a nice second or third year breakout once he gets a bit of rapport up with Wilson. He's, he's certainly got the attributes to do so.
0: How do you buy somebody cheap that was a rookie last year?
1: Rookies sort of as a second year, tend to be a bit like a car. they lose value as soon as you drive them off the lot. Certainly in that first year between the actual rookie draft and the start of the season, they tend to gain value for some reason. Uh, it's even the point of, you know, you draft Najee Harris with the 103, try and trade that for a future 103 and people go, oh, no, whoa, what? Najee Harris is worth at least the 101. So you didn't even draft him there, mate. So I would say if you're, you're interested in sort of a, a mid, a future second or a, a mid to late second, something like that, you could even try and offload potentially a Corey Davis, someone who you think's peaked uh, for, for someone a little bit cheaper and, and maybe a pick thrown in. It's hard to do, but you need to find someone who's not patient with their
0: players. Mm-hmm. We are. Now, the New England Patriots. I know you're a Patriots fan, so I, how about I give you the floor? You could do the little dissecting to begin with.
1: Yeah, sounds good. Well, 7-9 and nine missed the playoffs for the first time since 2008. Finished 27th in points scored and yards gained. Watching the games, I'm surprised it was that high. At 30th in passing yards, 4th in rushing yards, that adds up. Damian Harris led the rushing with 691 yards and Cam Newton ran for 12 touchdowns. Jacoby Myers had the most catches and receiving yards with 59, uh, 729 yards. Didn't catch a touchdown. In fact, he threw more than he caught last year. And sexy Rexy Burkhead had three receiving touchdowns to be the most productive receiver in New England. Slam and Cam threw for 2,657 yards, 8 touchdowns and 10 picks. But as we talked about, he did manage to punch in 12 touchdowns. Unsurprisingly, looming large, as always, is Bill Belichick, still their head coach. Josh McDaniels is in his 13th season as the offensive coordinator, 10th in this run since he got fired in Denver. And uh, I tell you what, no one calls a screen on 3rd and 15 quite like Josh McDaniels. <laughs> Heading out of town is my favorite player, Julian Edelman, is retired. Joe Tooney is the highest paid guard in history for Kansas City. Traded out Marcus Cannon, lost a little bit of experience on the line there with Jermaine el uh, a man with the hairline of a, an 80-year-old in a 27-year-old's body. And Demir Bird, who was a bit of a revelation really last year, uh, is now in Chicago. Uh, it's Plenty of new faces though in New England. Trent Brown is back after a couple of seasons in silver and black. Obviously, Johnny Smith and Hunter Henry came in free agency, big spenders there at tight end. And uh, the the second edition of the Boston TE party, we'll see if any of them end up uh, the way Gronk did or even the way uh, old Hernandez did. And also they paid up for Nelson Aguilar, who came off a career year, and Kendrick Bourne from your beloved 49ers, Heads East. I'm a big fan of Bourne, and he will likely replace Edelman in the slot. So what do we reckon?
0: I reckon they're basically the same as the Jets. I'm not enthusiastic to take anybody on the Patriots. More so, that just like the Jets, I'm not enthusiastic, I'll do it, but I'd rather not.
1: I totally agree. I don't want a bar of just about anyone in this offense at all in redraft. Um, I think it's just going to be too hard to predict. And, and people who've suffered with the New England running back situation and, and running backs by committee in the past, they've got tight end by committee. You've now got a bunch of C-grade receivers. That's probably a bit harsh on some of them, but a, b- a bunch of underwhelming receivers, none of whom will probably have too much fantasy value. I think if you're dead set on owning a, a Patriots receiver, it's probably Jacoby Myers, just based on the volume you might get, but also you know, Kendrick Bourne. One that is interesting, though, is, I guess this is the big question for Patriots fans and also for, for the NFL, is how long is Newton going to be the quarterback? Is he even going to get to... To be the starter in week one, when will we see Mac Jones? He's from all accounts lit up practice. He's he's shown that he can read the defense, he gets the ball out quickly, he's accurate, he's sort of everything New England wanting a quarterback. And if Cam plays like he did last year, I think we'll see Mac Jones sooner rather than later. Belichick's got no problem, I think, with, with incumbency or anything like that. Yes, Cam's the starter now, but if Mac outplays him, then then we're gonna see him sooner rather than later. But I tell you what, in fact, this is a question more than I'll tell you what. I have a vision Of points in this season that we'll see Mac Jones under center inside the red zone, perhaps inside the ten yard line, and lined up next to him as the running back will be Cam Newton.
0: I'm not against it, but I mean, I I think logically it would make more sense to go into a wildcat so he gets a direct snap. But uh, I could see him doing it.
1: It's all it's all misdirection and magic, you know. Potentially Mac just drops back and throws it. But I think Cam Newton is still close to the NFL's best goal line running back, and for a team that I don't expect to be in the red zone all that often. I, I think you got to go to your best assets. I agree. You know, the wildcat would be interesting, but McDaniels will cook something up. Belichick will cook something up. You know, we, we've seen what the Saints have done with Taysom Hill and Drew Brees in the same backfield from time to time. So, you know, even if it's Cam out in front as a blocker for you know, whether that's Harris or, or Michelle, who's still there, or, or James White, or the rhinoceros Ramondre Stevenson, I, I think we'll see it.
0: Now, what about in the running back situation? Is, is this a, just a no-fly zone? Don't touch it. Don't bother with it. Let somebody else make this mistake.
1: Yeah, I think it's basically the same as the Jets. Uh, it's not quite as dire, I don't think. Damien Harris has shown a bit, but, you know, if Cam's under center, Harris doesn't have that touchdown upside because, as we've talked about, Cam, excellent red zone running back. Michelle is going in the late 15th round, almost undrafted. I think if you want a last dart throw, you could do worse than Sony Michelle, as far as I'm concerned. Stevenson's an interesting candidate. I've seen a lot of lazy comparisons to LeGarrette Blunt. He's not got the same sort of anvil running style as Blunt. He's a bit bit shiftier. He's good with his micro movements, whereas Blunt was just going to run over someone. Uh, and he's also, he's was the best pass blocking back in the draft. He's an excellent pass catcher. Uh, and I think we'll see him potentially as more of a three down back, or, or we'll see him get work on on all three downs. Where potentially Harrelson will only get the work on the first two. We'll see James White in the second and third, but uh, Stevenson has that flexibility to do it on all of them. And we've also got JJ Taylor still there as well. That I think he's five six, lightning bug. I thought he looked pretty good last year. I don't think he's ever going to be fantasy relevant because he's knee high to a grasshopper. You know, it's just more confusion for you to avoid. So, you know, I, I'm going to watch every game. I'm going to be disappointed, even. You know, so far as avoiding Henry and Smith, just let someone else make the mistake. Let someone else take that risk. Um, if I had to had to pin it down, I think Henry gets split out wide more than Smith. Ridiculous as that sounds, Smith's a much better blocker, and you need to be able to do both to play in New England. So if you want, you know, if you want to go with one of them, Henry's going slightly earlier off the board, and I think he might run more routes, but obviously Smith, more damaging player, better blocker. Might see more snaps, and he's also cheaper, he's going in the early twelfth as opposed to Henry's the mid-tenth. Let someone else take the risk. Don't bother with Newton. Don't bother with Mac Jones. Just leave him out there. And you know, if you're a Patriot, to be glad that they weren't in the playoffs.
0: So where's Damian Harris going right now?
1: Damian Harris is going the pick before Michael Carter. So he's the running back 37 in the mid to late ninth. Okay. So again, it's, he's the sort of guy you might target if you're doing
0: zero RB. Exactly. Exactly. That's exactly where I was about to just go.
1: He's I'd, I'd rather Harris than Carter.
0: Yes, I'll agree with you there.
1: And I think of, I think Harris is the last back, or maybe Sermon might be, who is potentially a lead back for his team without injury.
0: Trey Sermon, I don't think he's going to be lead back. I think Raheem Mostert is too effective in the Niners running scheme. I mean, I think last year out of the top five fastest runs, I think Raheem Mostert had two of them and one of them was a receiving touchdown. And another receiving touchdown, sorry. Uh, so I, th- I think he had three out of the five fastest yep. recorded runs. Uh, he, he fits in the Shanahan system way too well for him to ever just randomly get beat out by a, a Trey Sermon. Not saying Trey Sermon isn't good, unless Raheem gets hurt. Trey Sermon, he's just going to be a backup.
1: Yeah, fair enough. I think Harris is going to get first crack, but Patriots to ride the hot hand. We had Steffi on the pod last week talking about, you know, they've strengthened the offensive line. They've brought in these two tight ends. We're going to see power sets. We're going to see a fullback, two fullbacks, three fullbacks, all offensive line. It's going to be like the dude that won Madden with... Um the kicker, Tress Tress Way is his quarterback, he's just going to be ramming it down people's throats Mm -hmm. and and trying not to throw. So, you know, there's going to be opportunity for Harris. Uh, I think he'd look the best of their running backs, but as I say, that that touchdown upside is capped, and that being the case, he's not a participant in the passing game. I'm just not interested.
0: Exactly. I think uh, think this team is relatively straightforward. If I was to go for a wide receiver, I'd go for Nelson Aguilar. I think he's the most talented of the bunch, and uh, as long as he could catch the ball and not be one of those baby droppers, I think he has the highest potential to be the uh, best fantasy football impact player. Hendrick Bourne, he doesn't get enough rap for it, but he probably drops as much, if not more, patches, passes than Nelson Aguilar. And uh, I don't think he's going to last too much longer if that is going to be the case.
1: Yeah, I mean, we, <laughs> although in saying that, Edelman was, uh, was pretty shoddy with his hands towards the end as well. So maybe it's not a concern. Maybe it's a whole new style of offense where you, you drop instead of you catch it. But that Aguilar role, I expect he's going to play outside in that similar deep threat role that Demir Bird did last year. Talked about that being productive. He was basically Cam's go-to target until the emergence of Jacoby Myers late in the season when there really wasn't anyone else. Myers is another guy with a bad case of the drops as well. He uh, annoys the bejesus out of me. And then we have uh, our old mate still on the roster for now, uh, Nikhil Harry. And in fact, my first exposure to to you and uh, your podcasting wears was your inability to uh, to pronounce it Nikhil uh, some time ago on Sleeperwire, so mm-hmm. you know, it's just a nice nice little connection
0: there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So uh, apparently, I found out his name is Nikhil Harry. I thought it was always like K Neil Harry, or I thought maybe the K was silent, so it's just Neil Harry.
1: Either of those would make more uh, make more sense. I think K-Neil Harry, that sounds good. I think Neil Harry. I'd even go with Keel Harry, but was his actual name Nikhil? No, nah. <laughs> no, thank you.
0: It doesn't make sense when you like spell it out and then you say it it doesn't work. My bad, my English is normal.
1: Yeah, exactly. No, I'm I'm with you. So that you know his his parents really let us down.
0: He really did. It's Nelson Aguilar, he just dropped him.
1: I think maybe they threw it to his parents but he couldn't get so se- uh, they couldn't get separation so they uh, you know, they 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 attempted it but just didn't really do anything. That's right. I'm sort of stuffing around here trying to find the New England depth chart to, to see if I've missed anyone worth talking about. Not really. Gunnar Olszewski, he was okay, but I no interest in that. But no. Yeah. Mac Jones is an interesting case. I think he's going quite late in rookie drafts uh, for a first-round quarterback. Uh, I'm interested in him, I, but again, in redraft, no interest in, no interest in any of these guys at all whatsoever. Maybe in uh, in IDP, you might be interested in uh, Matt Judon, potentially Christian Barmore or someone like that. But, uh, you know, we've done our one IDP episode, so
0: we won't be talking about them. No, no, no. That, that's enough. One was too many already, so we're done with IDP. <laughs> All right, so the Miami Dolphins. Are, before, before we move on, I know, I know the Patriots are near and dear to you. Is there any closing statement you'd like to give out?
1: I want to see Mac Jones sooner rather than later. Uh, as much as I love, I love Cam, I love his heart and soul. He's such a frustrating player to watch, you know, just... So many times you're screaming at the TV, like, you can't take a sack there, or it's already, it's third and eight, and suddenly you get sacked. For th-. He's, he's frustrating. frustrating. I really want him to succeed because he's a much more exciting player than Mac Jones, but you always want to see the future as well. In fact, here's a here's one fantasy-relevant player, or one player who might be fantasy-relevant. Nick Falk was an excellent kicker down the stretch last year. Uh, he's still there, obviously kicking outside. Uh, half the games of the year isn't going to help him, but, um, but he was money, so... Yeah, you know, if you're playing in a, a league with kickers, there there is one player because you now we've talked about the offense may struggle to move the ball again this year, uh, and Falk will get his chance.
0: So the Miami Dolphins 2020 season: ten and six, 15th in points scored, twenty second in yards gained, twentieth in passing yards, twenty second in rushing yards. Very mediocre at best. Miles Gaskin led in rushing with 584. That is abysmal. Jordan Howard, out of all people, who wasn't even active for half of the games, ran for four rushing touchdowns. Devontae Parker with the most catches, a 63, and a shy under 800 yards. Mike Gasecki led with six touchdowns. I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick was the quarterback. He's not there anymore. He had 2,000 passing yards and eight stars. Tua Tongavailoa had 1,800 passing yards and nine starts. I'm underwhelmed. Fair to say. I'm underwhelmed. I think if you look
1: at the raw statistics, the Miami Dolphins were not a good football team last year. They certainly won games, but you know, Gaskin, only 584 yards. He did nearly crack 1,000 from scrimmage. You know, his fantasy value came from what he did in the passing game. They outperformed where they probably should have been last year as a result of good coaching, and you know, I think they snuck a couple of wins that, that maybe could have gone the other way. But now they've got Tua, who they believe is the quarterback of the future. In saying that, I think they kick the ties under Sean Watson. I think, you know, potentially they would have looked at Trevor Lawrence or, or maybe Wilson or someone like that if, if they were in the top two. Uh, but they've got Tua. They've surrounded him with weapons. And like we talked about with Danny Dimes, this is his chance to prove that he's got it at this level. So, you know, as with every player you want to see him succeed, he's going to have uh, his old running buddy with him in Jalen Waddell. They've got Will Fuller. Parker's still there. It's also worth noting, I think they brought in Jacoby Brissett, who is probably the best backup quarterback in the league. Um, so in case it all goes tits up, they have someone who can steer this offense potentially to the playoffs. They clearly think they're a playoff team. That's really dependent on, on what we see from Tua. Is he going to be the is this somehow more Ned Flanders-esque version of Derek Carr? Or is he actually going to start pushing the ball down the field? Is he going to start making aggressive throws? I really hope it's the latter because... You know, football should be interesting and a second year quarterback shouldn't be checking down and and playing conservatively. He should be balls to the wall trying to see what
0: he can do. It's hard to have a sophomore slump when your freshman season was underwhelming at best. I fear that may happen. And I know George out there listening, he is a huge Dolphins fan, and uh, we asked him hey, we, we asked him if he wanted to join on the show. He was unable to make it, so he gets to listen to me slander on his dolphins. One time for the one time, and I just wanted to let him know Miles Gaskin is probably going to be the RB1. Another I think this is another zero RB type of guy that you should be targeting if you're running one of the zero RB teams. what's his ADP going for?:
1: So he's currently going at the five-6 turn. he's the RB25, so that's fair. Yeah, that's about where you'd want to be taking him.
0: Give me a couple of this or thats.:
1: Miles Gaskin or Melvin Gordon
0: Miles Gaskin.
1: Miles Gaskin or Raheem Mostert?
0: Raheem Walster.
1: Miles Gaskin, CD Lamb.
0: Uh, Half point or full point PPR?
1: Uh, This is full point redraft ADP.
0: Okay. Give me CD.
1: And one QB, Miles Gaskin or Justin Herbert?
0: You know, I really like Justin Herbert, but I don't think I'd take him over Miles Gaskin.
1: I think at that point. Herbert's not worth drafting there, I would take Gaskin as well. Yeah. If you if you've not got a quarterback there. Or I suppose you could come back and Herbert could be your second, in which case, I mean, fill your boots. But uh, I don't know what to think about Gaskin. I don't think he's you know, I think everyone breathed a sigh of relief when they didn't pick or I say everyone Gaskin knows when they didn't pick anyone at the draft. But I feel like his job security is only there for as long as he's not been outplayed by the guys behind him. That's how he won the role, and so if it's Jared Dokes or um Salvon Ahmed or whoever it is behind him, if they start looking better, and I I think Ahmed at least looked as good, then Gaskin's going to be relegated to the bench.
0: Hmm. It's a tough one to dissect, but right now, there's nobody in front of him. Malcolm Brown's there. I'm not... I'm not intimidated by Malcolm Brown. Unfortunately, I think Miles Gaskin is definitely ahead of him.
1: Would you Would you rather fight a chicken every day before you get to your car, or Malcolm Brown once a year?
0: Uh, Malcolm Brown's got a torn ACL. If I got that sword, give me give me Malcolm Brown all day.
1: I feel like Brown's the kind of guy who might vulture some some TDs. We saw that they clearly wanted a goal line back. That's why Jordan Howard got four TDs.
0: Yes, that's fair. But I mean, he might he might play the Legarrette Blount one carry, two yards, touchdown, six point two fantasy points stat line. Yeah, eat it up. Uh, yeah, that's definitely an eating it up type of person. Miles Gaskin, I mean, all he needs is three receptions for 20 yards, and boom, he puts up basically that same stat line. He's probably going to get another five carries, 10 carries for another 30, 40 yards. Boom, get him that 10-point fantasy stat line. And then, you know, of course, if he happens to score a touchdown or make any plays in between, then that's just icing on the cake. Especially the 5-6 the turn. If you're able to get him in the sixth round, I think that's a steal.
1: Yeah, well, I suppose you could double tap. Potentially with with CD and and Gaskin there anyway, which would be a a nice little, you know, I'd feel a lot better about having CD on my team than Gaskin, but certainly positional value dictates that Gaskin's probably the man. Hey, talking about receivers and certainly young ones, Jalen Waddle is is the first one off the board for the Dolphins at the moment. I don't know how I feel about that. I I really like Waddle. I think there's potential there. I think he's going to fit nicely in the slot. I think he's going to have a good connection with Tua. But I can't justify drafting him as the thirty second receiver off the board in the early seventh.
0: It's he's just a shiny toy off of the the you know, the toys are us shelf. Devontae Parker, he's still the guy there. And then Will Fuller, whenever he's not suspended, he's also gonna be the guy there. Jalen Waddle. I, I do not see Tua being able to support multiple receivers on this team. I, I barely see him supporting one. I would Put my eggs in the Devontae Parker basket if I was to invest in a wide receiver here.
1: I mean, Parker's the cheapest. He's the wide receiver 49. I'm inclined to want Fuller over Parker just because of the run after the catch ability. I think if it's going to be dink and dunk, you want someone who can make his own plays. Parker's not really that guy. Um, he probably has a better touchdown upside. Potentially, you know, Fuller or Waddle is used to blow the top off the defense. Uh, and Tua does you know, start to push the ball downfield a bit more, then we're starting to get interested. But um, I, I'd stay well away from Waddle, particularly, I mean, this might be the easiest either or you have, Jalen Waddle or Chase Claypool. Chase Claypool. And Claypool's going a pick later. Waddle is going in the same territory as like Courtland Sutton, T. Higgins, Claypool. He's going ahead of Jerry Judy and Brandon Cooks. These are players who are ostensibly more proven than he is. Not saying that Waddle doesn't have the ability, but it seems a dumb pick to make as a rookie.
0: I think it's, a, you know, like I said, that shiny little toy. Everyone's excited for it. Now, Will Fuller is missing the first game of the season and only the first game of the season with his suspension. So I'm not too worried about it considering you're taking Will Fuller pretty late. The chances are he's a depth piece and uh, you probably have better options to begin with so that being said i think will fuller yeah i think you might be right there will fuller to Devonte parker then i would rank Jalen waddle but apparently Jalen waddle is going to be gone long before any of those
1: yeah a good good couple of rounds if we're talking um qb's in uh super flex leagues here let me get two his adp up so he's the qb 23 and he's going in the quick maths uh, he's <laughs> 2 plus 2 is 4, minus 1, that's 3, quick maths. Uh, he's going 82nd overall, so you can, you can work that out amongst yourselves. You know, that's just behind Kirk Cousins, who I'd obviously rather have. But it, it's sort of Tour or Danny Dimes.
0: I like Danny Dimes' rushing value, and I'm going to go division. I think Danny Dimes plays in a much worse division, so I'll take him.
1: Tour, uh, again, another easy one, I think, Sam
0: Darnold. Give me Darnold.
1: All day. Fitz? Fitz Magic. Yeah. Derek Carr. Derek Carr uh, Big Ben
0: uh I
1: have to go with Big Ben who would you want tour uh, over Tungo Vailoa if you like
0: probably like somebody like I'd probably take him uh over Jimmy Garoppolo I'd probably take him over uh Wentz there we go that was his name
1: Carson Wentz what about Cam
0: yeah I'd probably take him over Cam Jared Goff I'd probably take him over Jared Goff he's going to hit of Goff yeah there we go logic logic is in my favor I'm trying to think of anybody else. Uh, I'd probably take him over Jordan.
1: Teddy Two Gloves.
0: Teddy Bridgewater over. Mm. Yeah. Just because I think uh, Tua has a little more job security than Bridgewater.
1: I'd take Teddy. Funnily enough, I think. He's got better weapons around him and he's a bit more proven in the league. And, you know, we, we always say we, we hope these players succeed. Yeah, we've got to see it. we got to see it. And if he doesn't see it this year, the Dolphins are going to be picking early again and they're going to reload with someone else. And, you know, Tua's then bouncing around trying to find another job. We have another Josh Rosen situation almost.
0: Exactly. They have a good defense. And when you have a good defense, it makes teams scramble a little bit faster for a better quarterback because all the quarterback's got to do is just be semi-decent and they got a chance to win a Super Bowl, and uh, the defenses have small windows, because they could change in an instant.
1: Yeah, I don't think, uh, they do have a good defense, I don't think it's a, you know, a, a deep run into the playoffs or Super Bowl winning defense, because even if you are relying on your defense, you're still going to have to throw to win the game, we've seen that with the Ravens, even though they were relying on the running game and defense, you still got to be able to, to light it up from time to time, to match it with Josh Allen, to match it with Mahomes, to match it with the weapons that Tannehill has around him. you, you got to be able to chuck the rock.
0: Exactly. Any closing thoughts? Mike Gusecki. Of course, he's the tight end eight, and I'm interested in him. He's, he's, he's always been progressing. I like to see that out of a tight end. He's always getting a little bit better every single year, a little bit better. So that makes me think that he is progressing as a tight end, and it fills me with a little bit more confidence. But that being said, there's a lot of bounce to feed now. I think uh, it's starting to become a little bit funneled. And I'm not quite sure if Mike Gusecki can uh, get his share.
1: I think Gaseki's a buy-in dynasty, I'm pretty sure, as a free agent at the end of this season. They picked up Hunter Long, who was a playmaking tight end, get to watch and, and learn behind Gusecki and Durham Smythe. Um, but, you know, Gusecki feels like a candidate to be on the move uh, if he doesn't get the workload that, that he feels as though he deserves. He's essentially a big slot receiver anyway. So I think he's been displaced slightly.
0: But the problem is, is he's going to be a tight end one moving forward. I mean, there's just no competition in that for us to knock him down a peg. Is he realistically a tight end one? I'd say no. I
1: I think, I think so. I think he's got the ability to be a tight end one, both for fantasy and for his team. But again, you're looking at, do you want to be drafting the tight end eight in the early eighth, or do you want to wait on a tight end towards the back and get Logan Thomas, Anthony Ferkser, Gerald Everett, these guys who have... I would say equal chance to finish around that mark anyway.
0: Yeah, I'd have to uh, pass on that. I mean, right now, I think uh, we talked about it last week. If you don't take an elite tight end, you might as well either one, not draft one, Mm. or take one in the very back end of the draft.
1: Yep, agreed. And I think Gasicki is in sort of no man's land here.
0: Yeah, it's difficult to justify taking Gusecki in the early eighth, but at the same time, I don't see him going that much farther because people are going to want to secure a tight end. And then if Zaguseki goes to the late ninth, 10th, then, uh, of course, that becomes a very valuable pick.
1: I'm just checking the game logs from last year. I'm pretty sure he finished quite strongly. Yeah, he did.
0: He did. He did finish. He finished strong, and people are going to be thinking of that, which is probably why he's going in the 8th. But, uh, I mean, uh, Fitzmagic, I believe, was finishing off that season, which is why he finished off so strong.
1: Well He dropped 130-1. Uh, on Buffalo in week 2 uh 91 on uh your 49ers early in the season but then finished with 88-1 over Cincinnati, 65 and 2 against Kansas City, and then a couple of, you know, middling tight end performances say 4 for 54 and, and 5 for 47 during the fantasy playoffs. I think people might have got tempted by the upside, but he had some lean weeks in there. He's look he's no worse than any other fantasy tight end, like these middle round tight ends. You're not drafting middle round or middle-of-the-road tight ends in the middle rounds. There's no point. Yeah.
0: There's no point. It's, it's not an efficient value of picks. So you might as well go somewhere else and then hope for the best at a later part. But of course, that is going to be enough for the Dolphins. Hopefully, George got enough of that. I'm sure he's going to disagree heavily on what we said. And that's basically what I'm looking forward to. I can't wait to hear what he has to think about that one. But the Buffalo Bills, 2020 recap, 13-3. and three. Very surprising. They were the team, the hot, team that everybody was looking out for. Lost in the AFC Championship to the Kansas City Chiefs, 38-24. Second most yards gained. Points scored. Third in passing yards. 20th in rushing yards. Devin Singletary led the team with 687 rushing yards. I don't even remember him getting 100 rushing yards, let alone 600. <laughs> Josh Allen ran for eight touchdowns. Stefan Diggs led the league in receiving yards. Not only the team, but the league. 1,535 yards, 127 catches, eight touchdowns. Josh Allen threw for 4,500 with 37 touchdowns. Now, the best thing about Josh Allen is his rushing ability and his rushing touchdown ability. If you're in a four point per passing league and he runs for eight touchdowns, that is an extra, let me do the math real fast. That's an extra, let's see, two points, two times eight, 16, about four, touch, four passing touchdowns. There we go. How'd I do?
1: Yeah. Yeah, that sounds about right to me. Quick maths.
0: Quick maths. Quick maths. There we go. Stefan Diggs. Now, the, the biggest question for the Bills is, can they do it again? And it was this a surprise? And our teams are going to be more prepared for him with more game film, a little bit, can study a little bit of tendencies, study the offense a little bit more, see what they like. Can they zone in on the run? Do they even need to zone in on the run? Can they just work on the pass? All that good stuff. And I think that's what's going to be interesting. But at this point, you have to respect it. Josh Allen, he's going to be an early round quarterback. Stephon Dick is going to be an early round receiver, and you've got to work around that.
1: I don't think the Bills can repeat. I think they're going to win the AFC East, but I don't see them being the same force that they were this year. I think last year was their chance. So I really like Josh Allen. I think that he's an excellent quarterback. I think he's developed wonderfully. He's a very fun player to watch. I love watching him run, love watching him pass. In what I think it was one of their playoff games or games towards the end of the season, I think it was Mark Schlerth or whatever his name was, the uh, the commentator who kept talking about his his long hose and his big hose, which made me think of his penis when he, he meant his <laughs> arm, but he he has an absolute cannon. That said, I don't think they have enough A graders to really push the Chiefs to really push the Titans. I think they've not improved their running game, uh, which has been fairly lackluster. Other than Allen Diggs is a good receiver, but it falls away quickly behind him. And you might say, well, Emmanuel Sanders is there. Or we're expecting Gabriel Davis to take that next step. And I know he's a popular sleeper or a popular dynasty pick, but I just don't think they have the absolute elite talent on this roster to really make that push that they did last year.
0: Especially with their defense. They have no defensive line. They have a phenomenal secondary at that, but no defensive line. If they're not getting pressure at the quarterback, they are in for a lot of trouble. Now, they did spend their 1st round draft pick on a defensive lineman, but I mean... First two. Exactly. The first two. So, I mean, Greg Rousseau and uh, then Boogie Basham. Mm-hmm. There we are. Now, if they pan out, they pan out. If they don't, well, I mean, you're back to square one, which I mean, if, if you're drafting somebody on that offense, you'd probably rather they not work out because, of course, you want them to be slinging it and trying to put up as many points as possible. Now, they did lose three games and one of them, I think, was to the Hail Mary yep. of Kyler Murray. So technically, they probably should have been 14 And two, I mean, realistically, that doesn't change too much in the scope of things, but I mean, uh, they could have been better last year. They could have been better. And I think they took a lot of people by surprise, which helped, but I like where this team is going. I think they stay the same because, I mean, you say that there is a drop-off between Diggs and Emmanuel Sanders. There was a bigger drop-off between Diggs and John Brown. Yeah. I think they closed that drop-off a little bit more. I think the offense got better in the wide receiver stage. Matt Breida, I think he's better than Devin Singletary. Zach Moss. Zach Moss, exactly. I think Matt Breida's better than both of them. I think he could really help the running game out, especially because he is a speedster. Uh, Jacob Hollister, you know, while I'm not too high on him, I'm still high on Dawson Knox. And of course, picking up a couple offensive linemen. I, I do think this offense improved. And I, as long as that defense improves just a tiny bit, yeah, I, th- I think they challenged the top teams.
1: I, uh, I really like Breeder. I agree that he's probably a better runner than, than Moss and Singletary. I think Moss has been fairly underwhelming, and, and so Singletary. And you need to be able to run the ball in Buffalo. I know it's cliched, but you need to be able to thump it and, and keep that defense off the field if you can. Uh, so I really like Breeder. He's going undrafted at the moment. He's a guy that we're talking about that late. That last pick in your draft dart throw, is it, would you rather Breeder, Michelle, or Crowder? For me, it's Breeder comfortably.
0: I'm definitely looking at Breeder on that one. I mean, he is a big play waiting to happen. My issue with Diggs, and he is an excellent receiver,
1: I don't want any part of him in fantasy. I think he's going to be overdrafted. Is he played out of his skin last year. And yeah, he's playing with Josh Allen, and, and, and likewise, Allen is playing with Diggs. And you don't want to, I think projecting regression is bad business, but Diggs had a career year. And is he going to have another career year? Have we seen his peak? Yeah, he's probably going to get 1,200 yards and eight touchdowns or six touchdowns or something like that. But that's a long way from what's likely to be the number one receiver in the game, which he was this year. You know, Sanders has been solid. we have got uh, Dr. Cole Beasley there as well, whatever the hell he decides to do with himself and, and whatever values he espouses on Twitter. Uh, and, and then this is, you know, you're expecting growth from Davis. You're expecting. I mean, Beasley had a career year as well. So how many players are going to have the best season of their career two years in a row this deep into their career?
0: It's Dr. Professor Beasley. Mr. Dr. Professor Beasley, <laughs> all right? So uh, whatever he says goes. And uh, Dr. Spetchman, I think, is more like it. <laughs> it. It's hard to repeat a career year. We saw that with Lamar Jackson last year. I mean, when you, when you, when you rush for 1,000 yards, it's tough to sit there and go, yeah, he's going to do that again. And I think, wait, he'd go for 800 yards, so a whole 200 yards shy. And, it, you know, in fantasy perspective, that's about 20 fantasy points shy. Uh, it's the same thing with Stefan Diggs. 500 to 200, realistically, that's about what? 20 fantasy points?
1: Yeah, thereabouts.
0: Yeah, so I mean, it, realistically, chances are you're not going to win and lose your weeks off of 20 fantasy points. Yeah, you know, there's always going to be the weeks where you lose by half a point, 0. 0.3, all that good stuff. But realistically, 20 fantasy points isn't going to do it, do you? do you dirty?
1: Oh, let's do some, some either or, but. Okay. I don't see them being topped in the AFC East, so they're going to win, they're going to win the division and make the playoffs. But I wouldn't be surprised if they're like an 11 and 16. 11 and 16? 11 and 16. Oh, 16. I'd be very surprised if they were 11 and 16. Right, so we talked about Diggs is the wide receiver three. He's basically the one-two turn. So Diggs or DK Metcalf? Diggs. AJ Brown? Diggs. Uh, the Riddler, Calvin Ridley? Diggs. Michael Thomas. Diggs. Justin Jefferson. Diggs. It sounds to me like you're Diggs out for Harambe here.
0: <laughs> no. The,
1: the, I, I would say... T- go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> I'd take Brown Jefferson and, and Ridley over him
0: there. The, the problem with Ridley is that he, I mean, while, while his stats are still phenomenal without Julio Jones, I want to see him do that for a whole season. With Michael Thomas, a quarterback situation there, questionable. I'd rather not take that. Stefan Diggs has been consistent all year. DK Metcalf, he, while DK Metcalf can put up 30 points a week, Stefan Diggs is a lot more consistent because DK Metcalf has been known to just randomly disappear. And he's going to go against the top corners in that division. And throughout the year, Stefan Diggs has been known to burn the top corners. So I'd rather have Stefan Diggs.
1: Yeah, I don't want to bar Metcalf either. So I assume you, you've got Hill ahead of Diggs.
0: Uh, yes, yeah. Tyreek Hill, I would take Hill.
1: Yeah, so the the three players going between him and Diggs at the moment are Zeke, Kelsey, and Aaron Jones. Would you rather Diggs over any of them?
0: you got to have an RB. got to have an RB in the first round.
1: Yeah, and I, I honestly think there's a pretty good argument, particularly in tight end premium leagues. I mean, uh, I was listening to a Scott Fish talk about the Scott Fish Bowl ADP, and Kelsey's going 103 there because of the scoring settings.
0: I'm not 100% sure on the Scott Fish Bowl, how it how it's done for tight ends. I just know that they're immense value.
1: Yeah, it's um, I think it's half point PPR, half point for, for first down, and it's doubled for tight ends. So someone like Kelsey, who gets you know, a million of everything every week, is close to the most valuable player in, in that format. But of course, we're not talking Scott Fishbowl. We're talking um, your home non-Fishbowl. There we go. I just don't trust Diggs. That, that's what it boils down to. I'm not going to look at my roster and feel comfortable with him in that slot.
0: He has been immensely consistent. And I think that's what gives me comfort, is knowing he's going to get his touches, he's going to get his catches, and he's going to put up fantasy points.
1: Yeah, I mean, you can't argue with that logic. So I'm, I'm not even going to try. It's just whatever it is, it's a gut feeling.
0: That's fair. I mean, right, right there at the beginning of the draft, everybody's elite, so it's a little bit more of preference over everything. You know, the Bills are going to be playing teams like the Jets the Patriots, twice a year. And while the Patriots do have a good defense, Stephon Diggs has been known to torch it. Yeah. And because of that, I feel feel pretty comfortable with him.
1: Fair enough. Fair enough. We haven't seen too much snow in Buffalo in in recent years as well.
0: Global warming, it happens.
1: (laughs) Talking about elite players at the top of the draft, could you see an argument for Josh Allen being your QB one in Superflex?
0: Yeah. Yep. I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it. But I could see it. I think Lamar Jackson... Still QB1. I think uh, rushing value is... You cannot overrate rushing value at a quarterback enough, and he just gets too much of it. Yeah,
1: fair. He's the, the QB3 at the moment, according to ADP. Yeah.
0: He, he's, an, he's an RB1 in your quarterback position. That's You can't... I, I personally cannot give that up.
1: Yeah. Again, we're talking everyone's elite. Jackson is probably the most known quantity there in terms of the rushing he's going to give you, though. Yeah. That's fair. Uh, and I suppose if... To a degree, if I'm projecting that Diggs is not going to have the same career year, then there's obviously a, a knock-on effect with Allen there as well.
0: Uh, I mean, he threw for 4,500 yards. Say he goes for 4,000 yards, subtracts 500, Well, that's also the same.
1: The, you got the extra game, so I'd say probably, yeah, 40, 42, 43.
0: That's fair. I mean, say, say Emmanuel Sanders takes a couple of receptions, a couple of touchdowns here and there. Then, yeah, then you might see a regression from Stefan Diggs. Say... Gabriel Davis steps up like how he did at the end of the season towards the playoffs, then, yeah, I mean, you might, you might see Stefan Diggs regress a little bit, but well, that's why he might have 1,200 yards instead of the 1,500.
1: I really like Gabriel Davis. I think Same. the hype around him might be slightly overblown. He had uh, seven targets across the last two playoff games for zero catches. Did have four for 85 against Indy, finished the season with two for 107 and one. You know, he scored seven times, which is pretty good for a rookie. You can't knock him for that. And I think he's going to be the two in that offense, and it should be a good offense. Uh, he's currently going undrafted. He's the current wide receiver 69. Nice. Um, so, yeah, that, that is nice. That is very nice. The old dinner for two. And uh, Gabe Davis is the entertainment. Nice. You know, he's going late in your draft. He's maybe one to target if you want upside, um, or, or you want a sort of dart throw who might be a the price of a wide receiver 4-5 that you're getting for a, well, sorry, a wide receiver 2-3, you're getting for the price of a a wide receiver 6-7 in in Davis there.
0: That's completely fair. Uh, I like Gabriel Davis. I have him in my dynasty league. I wish him nothing but wide receiver 1 numbers.
1: So without getting into um, Dr. Spichemin and his beliefs, do you think there's uh, anything here with Beasley this year?
0: You know, it's really hard. Assuming he's in the offense, Emmanuel Sanders is in the offense, Gabriel Davis is in the offense, that's four wide receivers, and then all of a sudden they have Jacob Hollister that you have to worry about also with a running game. I mean, yes, their running game was relatively non-existent last year, but they're gonna try. It's hard. Someone's got to go.
1: He had the career year as well, nine hundred sixty-seven yards and, and eighty-two catches. You know. Yes. Yeah. And he's now thirty-one, and who who knows the practice he's gonna get in this year, and 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 the knock-on effect of of everything there. I if they could add a receiver or just add someone who fills me with confidence. I just I want to like the Bills, I want to see them succeed, you know. I watched the 4 Falls of Buffalo recently and terrible Patriots fans on that. Like, these guys probably deserve to win one, but I just don't think they have the cattle to match it with the absolute elite. And we're going to see next year. Diggs is going to be a year older, Allen possibly performing that same level, but when your window is open, you got to go for it. And this is what shat me about the Colts as well is Everything was there and you didn't go out and chase an absolute premium receiver to put with your the quarterback you traded for behind the decent offensive line. And I just see the same with Buffalo here, is they've gone cheap with Sanders. They're hoping for some growth with Davis. Just add something, add a deep threat to that offense. They drafted Stevenson, who is an excellent returner, but can't catch to save himself. Just give me something else here, Buffalo. I want to like you, but I just can't do it.
0: Stefan Diggs is 27 years old. He'll be 28 mid-season. Tyreek Hill is also 27 years old. Uh, I mean, yeah, he's got a little age to him. I'm not too worried about it, especially in a redraft this year. I think it's a little bit too early to worry about him that much. Yep.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I'm thinking more, more down the line. Yeah. You know, I am not. I probably would be trying to get out from under him in Dynasty, if I'm honest. So high. He's very I think selling high is largely a myth, but if you have Diggs and you are not absolutely competing... Get rid of him.
0: All right. Any closing thoughts on the Buffalo Bills?
1: Like, I, I really want to see them succeed. They, they're going to win the division. I just don't see them matching it. But I, I hope I'm, I hope I'm proved wrong. I hope they're there on on Super Bowl Sunday, and uh, I hope that we see um, Sean McDermott and, and Josh Allen raising that trophy if it can't be New England. So, as I say, terrible Patriots fan, but um, you know, what are you going to do?
0: Yeah, Josh Allen has been quarter has been my quarterback for multiple years now. So. I, you know, I, I have a, an emotional connection with Josh Allen at this point, especially when I play Madden. If I play Madden, I like picking the bills for Josh Allen specifically.
1: Josh Allen uh, won me my most treasured fantasy football ring as a rookie. So I've got a, a soft spot for him. I've, I've got him in a few places as well. So I want to see... I want to see him succeed. I want to see him continue to go from strength to strength. And he's exciting. That's the thing. He's an exciting player. He's one of the league's he's fun. most exciting.
0: He's fun, he's fun to watch. Yeah, I definitely look forward and tune in to every single play when he's playing on a, a, a prime time game. But I'm sure a lot of people are doing the same, considering there is a lot of fantasy implications to whenever the Bills play. But other than that, of course, it's going to have to wrap up this breakdown. That that We, we, we finished all of the AFC now, huh? I think
1: so. I think we've got the West episode still to drop, but yeah, this is, we'll, I suppose we'll be back next week with, uh, with another part of the NFC.
0: Alrighty. That sounds a okay to me, but of course, if you enjoyed the episode, please consider hitting that subscribe, follow, and like, leave a review. If you enjoyed, if you want to follow our Twitter, it's at sleeperwire show. My ad is going to be at top tier tactics, underscore Sheen. What about yours?
1: And I'm at She and Solo. Uh, we've got divisional breakdowns coming out on our Twitter at the moment, so check those out. But yeah, come and come and talk some fantasy or uh, or anything else that might be on your mind.
0: There we go. Other than that, good luck, everybody.
1: Take it easy.